Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that, much like Rick Astley, will never give you up, let you down, run you around, or desert you. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of maizeandbrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you bald eagle perched on a Sherman tank. How the hell are you on this 4th of July eve? I am well, my friend. That is... That was Independence Day dialogue-esque. That was fantastic. Um, Well, a little tired, but it's already July. Summer's flying by. Football's almost here. Yes, sir. Football starts next month. And, yeah, we got to be Independence Day-themed. One of the best movies of all time, which we covered last week in our extensive 90s pod in Rutgers Week. Took a week off because Michigan has a bye week after Rutgers. Back this week to talk Illinois recruiting. uh, Michigan players getting uh, picked up in the draft. A lot of content tonight. Yeah, a lot, a lot's happened. I mean, especially recruiting-wise, the NBA's in full swing. Um, we're definitely not dry on content. God bless the University of Michigan. Seriously, honestly. Unfortunately, came up short against Vanderbilt in the College World Series there, uh, but went way deeper than anyone expected, starting to become the norm at Michigan, just uh, you know, exceeding expectations in everything but football. Sounds like my sex life. Way deeper than expected. (laughs) (laughs) Really exceeded expectations. Expectations. That's all we need to know. Just like Michigan. (laughs) Absolutely, man. So uh, not a lot of time to to bullshit tonight, so let's get right into it, man. Uh, Let's start with basketball, where uh, we were wrong about Jordan Poole 
and Ignaz Brazdek is also getting drafted. Uh, we, you know, it was looking like maybe nobody, both of them getting drafted, Jordan Poole in the first round, and Muhammad, Abdur, Ab- <laughs> Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman is with Cleveland under B-line. Le- Karis Levert now playing with Katie and Kyrie. I mean, you take it, man. What do you want to touch on? Uh, let's start with Jordan Poole being drafted. Um, I think there's a line here that I, I'm, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge. You're either like pro-Jordan Poole or anti-Jordan Poole. I want Jordan Poole to do well, but I think this was a terrible pick by the Warriors. <laughs> I, just, I'm so, I don't think Jer- Jordan Poole is a first-round talent. I would have taken players like Carson Edwards over him. I think he can be good in the NBA, and I think he's going to be a project here. But I think it was a bad pick by the Warriors, but I'm happy for Poole. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I don't like it either because so many people were piling on Poole on, on Twitter, like, oh, terrible decision, like they were rooting against him. And I don't want to sound like we're on that in that camp when we are most definitely not. I mean, we both kind of thought that he had a lot of development to go. Talent-wise, yeah, you see the flashes, but I agree with you. It seemed like a bit of a reach. That being said, the Warriors seem to know what they're doing drafting guys, so maybe we're just a bunch of idiots. I mean, they a lot of their talent is homegrown. Yeah, their shooting coach or one of their, I mean, whatever title he holds there is Steve Nash. Like, enjoy that time, Jordan. You're going to be learning from the best. Like, the best shooters in the world are in that organization. It's And like we said before uh, with our NFL draft coverage that as long as you're brought into a stable organization, you can flourish one way or the other. And the Warriors, I mean, are the I mean, epitome of that. He does get to play with a, fellow, uh, with a Buckeye now and D'Angelo Russell as well. Yeah, and a Michigan State Spartan and uh, in the worst human on the planet, Draymond Green. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> definitely going to be a little bit of a contemptuous locker room there. But honestly, like he seemed like a splash brother. When he was riding high at Michigan and he hit that game-winning shot over Houston, he had the swag, he was having fun out on the court, hitting deep shots. So at his best, yeah, I mean, he fits in perfectly there. Um, he's just got a little bit of a way to go, but what a great situation for Poole. Definitely pulling for him. I mean, I, I like the kid. I like the kid's game. Thought he could have used another year, but then again, with Beeline leaving, would he, would he really wanted to stay anyway? So he probably was going to leave regardless. Yeah, some of the ego stuff bothered me. Like, that could become a big red flag, but um, hopefully this year's humbling and allows him just to develop some, you know, kind of know your role in the NBA right now. I'm rooting for him for sure, but just Terrible pick by the Warriors right now. It's a first-rounder. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You probably could have got him in the second round. Speaking of second round, Iggy Braz goes to the New York Knicks, who uh, really swung and missed in free agency and the draft. Didn't get Zion. But they do get R.J. Barrett. They got a couple pieces there. And now he'll be allowed to come along slowly with a young roster. Um, I'm glad he got drafted. This is a kid that you and I are both high on. think he can be a great rotational piece on an NBA roster. God, I just hate it's the Knicks. Everything I said about like a good consummate organization, just erase that, and then that's the New York Knicks. Like you never know what they're gonna do. Uh, never forget that one time Stephon Marbury's dad died, and they didn't tell him till after the game. Jesus, yeah, the Knicks are not necessarily known for competence. I mean, they're like uh, they're like Trump's cabinet in the in the sense that it's a lot of fluctuation, a lot of turbulence, and uh, you don't really know who's in charge there. Just kind of just like a revolving door. You never know who's around. Isaiah Thomas is there for a while, but but he got the boot. So you never know what they're going to do there. They got rid of Kristaps for cap space for free agency. That didn't work. Uh, the Zen god Phil Jackson would show up sober half the time. Didn't know what was going on. Just there for the paycheck, like the rest of development. Um, so no, God knows what the Knicks are going to do. I just hope they don't ruin Iggy. 
I'm assuming that James Dolan and Dave Gettleman are somewhere like huffing bath salts right now or just like sniffing a rag covered in gasoline because, I mean, two of the worst owners ever in the same city. And it's the largest city on the planet. So or, Gettleman's GM, so he actually has more player control, which is even more frightening. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, the other thing that we should touch on is with KD and Kyrie going to Brooklyn, Karis LeVert now uh, becomes the third scoring option, but is also on an extremely talented team. Uh, do you think that Brooklyn's improved with these moves? Maybe not next year, but I mean, overall, they obviously are. Uh, next year, could Karis LeVert just be a, a monster, monster player for the Nets? What do you think? He could be. I, I would be interested to see Karis LeVert's contract when it's up, because if he continues to progress this year and maybe it ends, he's going to get paid by somebody. And I'd love to see it, because he's come a long way. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's also a good player there. Um, so no, the Nets will be better in two years. Next year they're probably gonna be a little worse. Um, Kyrie Irving, good luck with that. <laughs> um, DeAndre Jordan's there, just I guess because he's a body and he's he is still around seven feet tall, but can't do too much on a basketball court. He's been washed for quite some time. But I'm rooting for Karis. That's all I can say. I'm not rooting for Kyrie Irving. I can never say that. No, I don't blame you. I mean, the guy thinks that the uh, Earth is the shape of my desk, and I have some questions about that. But uh, Karis LeVert, great situation. And a guy that at Michigan, you know, he was injured so often, we never really got to see it. But I'm not that surprised because talent-wise, he's one of the best guys we brought there in recent memory. So uh, definitely pulling for him. He fits in with the modern NBA. That team's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, keep watching this. The other thing to touch on, I don't know that there's really much to it, but uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman is with Cleveland uh, with their summer league playing on the summer team. I don't know that he'll stick, but kind of cool that he's playing with Beeline. That is cool. And uh, one more uh, piece of news. Mo Wagner's a wizard. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mo Wagner has always been a wizard, but now it's official. Yeah, so um, what do you think that means? Think he'll play next year? I mean, are you worried about the development playing for one of the worst teams in the East? Like LeBron just offered up his uh, annual sacrifice of young players. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. He sacrificed them to the basketball gods, but it's better for Mo Wagner, in my opinion. He's going to a team that is just Bradley Beal, so his minutes are probably going to double this year. Um, so I think this is going to be really good for Mo Wagner. I don't think he's playing for the contract to be on the Wizards. He's still at the point where he's playing on a contract to prove that he can make it in this league, and increased minutes are going to get him there, I think. So this is a good move for him. It's unfortunate that it's the Wizards, a team that I don't think has a fan anywhere uh, but uh i mean the montreal expos still have more fans than the washington wizards and they haven't been a team for like 20 years uh but i think this is a good move for him yeah the the former bullets are de in desperate need of anything they can get but hopefully yeah like you to your point mo Wagner can get some playing time get some points on the board and that's what's really important about kind of showcasing yourself to other teams because Bradley Beal gets flipped out of there. I mean, Mo Wagner could be on the trading block again. Young players, those contracts are easily movable. Yep, absolutely. And you still don't know what you're getting out of him. You're betting on upside, which makes him like a little bit more of a valuable asset than someone that's performed in the league for a while and you know what you're getting. Um, so, yeah, to that point, he, he definitely is. And you don't want to be in L.A. under LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and, and Anthony Davis like that's going to be a mess. Every time you make the wrong pass, you're going to have like three of the most powerful men on the planet staring you down. Like, so this is better for his growth. 
I think so as well. And uh, just, Mo, please get your little brother to commit to Michigan already. Come on, stop teasing us. Stop teasing. That's what I'm saying. we got to get this thing back on track for the Michigan basketball team. But that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, we were talking about all those contracts, people getting paid. Good segue. Uh, Don Brown, Ed Werner extended today. Uh, you've got the, you've got kind of the scoop on that. Take us through that. Yeah. So it was reported today, um, by Nick Baumgartner, Don Brown signed the new three-year deal with Michigan increases overall pay and the possibility of up to 500 K annually in incentive money. And Ed Werner is going to get at least 1.35 million over the next two years plus incentives. And, Money well spent, especially for Ed Werner. You could not pay that man enough. Couldn't agree more. I think that that's the money you had to spend. Don Brown, you're kind of waiting to see after the colossal collapse at the end of last year, but you can't discount what he's done. You can't just erase all of the other good things that Don Brown has done, both for Michigan, Boston College, and in other coaching stops, uh, just because of two bad games, but they were two really bad games at uh, a really bad time. But I like his contract being heavily incentivized. Uh, I'm a big fan of incentivized contracts in general. You get paid for your performance. That's how the rest of us work. So I, I'm a big fan of that. And, uh, yeah, I want to keep Don Brown on. I'm not going to let two games completely shift my opinion to him when we were ready to build statues made out of our own bone and skin of Don Brown early last year. Um, but Ed Werner, pay the man. Absolutely pay the man. A position that's been in just flux and, honestly, a, a state of disrepair since Lloyd Carr left. So this, I mean, you got to lock up Ed Werner. Love the money. Well spent. And you're worth it. For God's sakes, you're Michigan. You have more money than you know what to do with. Exactly. And Don Brown's, I mean, he's had three, four bad games or something in, in these years at Michigan. It's like, no, we're okay with, let's say he's had Penn State two years ago, Ohio State, and um, Florida this year. It's like, those three bad games in two seasons right there. It's like, all right, three bad games out of 24. I'm okay. You can't discredit those 21 before, and that's why you got paid today. Right. With you, the incentives. Maybe don't collapse at the end of the season. Yeah. 200K. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's the same performance as last year and he collapses against Ohio State, yeah, you eat that and you get rid of Don Brown. Would you trade right now Don Brown for Ron English, the defensive coordinator during that legendary 06 run where we didn't win anything? course but uh or uh dj durkin would you swap him out no i wouldn't uh for ron, i like don brown better than ron english schematically especially it's more modern day True. and plus that defense got to rely on a heavy run game from mike hart and control the clock a lot and you didn't have to really play against many spread offenses it was a lot different time uh and dj durkin um i like durkin but um i'm not bringing anybody on that had a player die under his watch yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you're absolutely right. You know, like it, it, it's, yeah. No, I mean, the, you're you're correct in that. It wouldn't be his program. Dirk and I would consider because at Michigan he did great things, um, and he's younger, and uh, I think he's pretty much done as a head coach for a while now. So you could yep. keep him for a couple years, but I don't see Don Brown, even though he flirted with it this off season, uh, going anywhere. So yeah, I would say you keep Don Brown. Um, it was just food for thought there. No, it was a good hypothetical. I, I was a big fan of Durkin, and people always took it as like a dig when they asked Peppers about it because you know you, you want all the hot takes you can get for content during the Durkin um, disaster last season with the, the unfortunate death of the player, and then they asked him about it and said, "Would he yell and stuff?" And Pepper said, "Yeah, I mean, it 
it wasn't my kind of motivation. It's like, didn't hate him. People are like, Peppers hated DJ Dirk. And it's like, no, it's a man. Everybody gets motivated differently. Like, he had a different style. And obviously, I think he got the most out of Peppers of anybody. Yeah, as far as a human, I like Don Brown way more. Like, Don yeah. Brown seems like a guy that people can get behind. But Don Brown had one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen defensively against Ohio State. Like, I, we were talking about it offline. It still doesn't make sense to me how you're that good of a defense and are that unprepared, especially when you coached with Ryan Day at Boston College. Like, So it still resonates with me, and I'm still kind of – I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of on the fence with Jim Harbaugh and Don Brown. Um but that being said, yeah, you got to run it back. You got to bring him back and see what you can do with Gaddis in the fold. Um, just to reminisce for a second, just remember this stretch with Durkin: thirty-five to seven, twenty-eight to seven, thirty-one nothing, twenty-eight nothing, thirty-eight nothing. Oh, I and remember. Then, oh, that was a good run. But I mean, granted, we did get blown out by Ohio State at home in a game I was at forty-two thirteen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is it all seems to come crashing down when you get up against an opponent that can recruit as well as you. But I remember I was at that BYU game when Devion Smith emerged from like a portal and, and took it to the house and shrugged off another player. Amara Darbo and all Odell Beckham Jr. with the catch on the – yeah, that was – it was a lot of fun. I'll never forget that run. Uh, that year is just so memorable because Michigan had just come from such a dark place and Jim Harbaugh and her company still had the new car smell on them. And plus – for once, Michigan fans' expectations were, like, tapered. You know, it was like, okay, if we win seven games, I'm okay with that. Program's turning around. It's going to take time. Small right. recruiting class. And then we go on that run, and it's like, Jim Harbaugh is fucking Jesus. And then 2016 <laughs> happens, and then it I mean, goes even crazier until, like, the Ohio State disaster and everything. Right. I was putting out Craigslist ads trying to, like, massage Jim Harbaugh's feet. He never responded to any of them, after, like, when we were on that run. Because you remember we started that year by losing to Utah, so that really yep. helped to, like, temper expectations. And then you go on that run, and that's where the hype started. And that was, that was a wonderful time to be a Michigan fan. It's like, oh, we're just going to be the best defense in the nation for the next couple of years. And statistically, we have. But in big games, and that's kind of what it all comes back to. But segue takes us to 2020 recruiting. This is going to be a big piece because, wow, it has been a big piece in the last couple of weeks since we last spoke. Um, the barbecue happened. Um, and as we were saying before the barbecue, you got to wait until after this. Early season recruiting doesn't really mean much until that late summer period where we get all those guys on campus, and holy shit, has, have things taken a turn. Uh, we jumped from 23 to 5, basically in one weekend, as far as recruiting ranks, according to 24-7. We now have recruits from 13 different states and a very interesting recruiting class starting to shape up. Most of our biggest recruits have come in the last two weeks, and... Uh, I mean, it's it's tough not to be excited about this recruiting class, but it looks very, very different than a lot of the recruiting classes we've been used to seeing in the last five to maybe even ten years. Um, so yeah, let's let's break down this recruiting class. Uh, do you want to go through the players? You want me to list them off? You're rolling, my friend. You go ahead and keep running with that majestic voice. Go ahead. <laughs> You're too kind to me. Uh, so <laughs> our recruiting class, as it stands right now. And uh, shit, let's just go player by player here. We don't need to touch on many of them too long here. But uh, AJ Henning, one of the guy, the a wide receiver, uh, one of the more recent guys to commit, 5'10", 183, verified four three seven forty time. Uh, 
I think this speaks to what Gaddis is trying to do. This is the Gaddis effect, and it, it's completely illustrated here. A total switch up from that last big recruiting class where it was Nico Collins, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples Jones, everyone over six foot. This kid's 5'10, but can fly. And uh, it kind of goes like the Mike Sainrus drill. You know, he's probably going to see a lot of playing time this year. So this shows what they're trying to get in the wide receiver position. And I'm all, I'm all for it, man. Speed kills in the modern college football game. Yeah, and he's probably going to be a five-star before it's all said and done. He's a super, super high-rated four-star. And, um, yeah, speed kills. This is Josh Gaddis personified right here. I love it. Absolutely. Next highest-rated uh, recruit, Braden McGregor. We've touched on him a bit. He fits into that Aiden Hutchinson, Julius Welshoff mold. Uh, I mean, these guys can play on any team in the country. Um, you're just talking big, strong dudes that can set the edge and hold it against anybody. Uh, we've already touched on Braden McGregor, but just so you know, he's 6'6", 350 right now, and he's 18. So 250. I had him at 348. 248. No, 348's oh. a defensive tackle. He's a defensive end, Jared. That's way too big. It seemed <laughs> high, but I must have just read a 2 as a 3 or someone misreported it from uh, where I was gathering my stats. That makes more more sense. So he's got some weight to put on. <laughs> but so he's a 6'5", 250-pound uh, defensive end going into his senior year of high school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either way, at 250, I mean, look what Quiddy Pay did. Expect him to put on 30 pounds in his freshman year. Could be an immediate contributor. Um, I mean, that, that the defensive end positions are starting to get stacked with big, big bodies. I like it. Could also be a five-star. Yep. He is very high. Those two are the ones to watch to get their, to get added to fifth star. And that means it's going to bump up the class even higher. Yeah, those two and maybe the quarterback, J.D. JD Johnson, because uh, quarterbacks tend to rise quickly. But, yeah, if we're going to get some five-stars, it's I don't think we have anyone left on our board, a five-star that we're going to get. If we're getting a five-star, it's one of these guys jumping up. I agree, I agree with you. Uh, next, going down the list, Kalel Mullings, a, uh, another recent signee, 6'1", 220, going to play linebacker for us, a guy that Michigan State, Ohio State were very high on. Uh, this kid's athletic. This is the kind of uh, linebacker recruit you get excited about, maybe not on the, the Devin Bush level, but, uh, I mean, you got him, you got Cam McGrone already in the program. Or excuse me, Cam Cam McGrone transferred. Or who am I thinking transferred? Singleton transferred. You got him, Cam yeah, McGrone. Yeah, I mean, you've got talent recruited at the linebacker position. As we go through this list, we're going to touch on a couple other guys. But this guy, Kalel Mullings, I mean, look at the offer list. And you'll see what kind of teams are after this kid. And I think he's going to be a player. Yeah, linebacker is a position of concern. And we're addressing it right now. And I love it. I mean, great kid. Seems like he's got the right body type to be at the program. And um, we need linebackers. We need bodies. Yes. Have you watched any film on any of these guys yet? I admittedly haven't seen film on all of them. I have watched film on McGregor, Savage, Johnson. Uh, I think that might be it as of right, and a little bit of Nick Patterson, but you know, just because of nepotism. But sure. most most of them I haven't. But Braden McGregor is just an animal. That's all I can say. Braden McGregor is an animal, and uh, this is backtracking a little bit, but you should probably watch the AJ Henning highlight reel um, and try to keep the. Um, Sam McGuffey level hype down, but holy shit, this kid is fast and athletic. And uh, yeah, I watched the McGregor highlights. Some of these guys, it's hard to watch highlights on because they don't have a ton of tape that's easily accessible for the layman. But uh, some of the other guys, yeah, you can absolutely watch and see. And, and Henning looks good. Kalel Mullings, I watched a little bit, looks athletic, so I'm excited about him. 
Next guy on the list might be the guy I'm most excited about thus far, and that's four-star safety Jordan Morant. Only 5'11", 212, could get up into that six-foot range. But safety at Michigan has been good, not great. Uh, honestly, the last, the, the last really, really good safety we've had was Jordan Kovacs, and he was more just solid. Uh, Jabril Peppers played the Viper. I mean, all of our great players have been coming from the Viper, which is a pseudo-safety. Jordan Morant is a true safety. Watch this kid's highlight film. You're going to see a ball hawk. Uh, Jordan Morant's going to come in. You got him and Dax Hill at safety positions now, where safety has been kind of a middle-of-the-road position, position for Michigan. I expect safety to be an absolute stalwart position in the next three to four years. Yeah, the pairing of those two will be great. And uh, Josh Metellus took a lot of strides last season. I yeah. think he'll do more so this year. So they help Dax Hill get ushered into it. Not to mention you know, the players that have been there, like the JKPs of the world, the Brad Hawkinses of the world, the Jameric Woods is like safety's loading up, but players like this and Dax Hill are gonna change the game. Absolutely, yeah. And it's been good. Like don't I don't wanna say safety's been like a position of weakness. Like Jared Wilson's still in the NFL. Uh, Josh Metellus is going to get drafted. We've had guys come through. DeMonte Thomas stuck around for a while. Some, I mean, these guys have been solid, but nobody's really been transcendent. And I'm saying watch that position to be transcendent uh, in the upcoming years. And I'm, you know me, I'm a big secondary guy, so that's where my eyes are focused. Uh, moving down the list, next up is Blake Corum. Blake Corum, a five foot eight running back out of Maryland, uh, which might remind you a little bit of Mike Hart. Mike Hart was out of the Northeast as well, and his game kind of reminds me of Mike Hart, except maybe a little bit faster. This is a four star. Uh, very excited about this kid. Obviously, he's only 180 pounds, give or take. Needs to put on some weight, but this kid, very exciting running back at a position we needed to get at least one guy you can count on. Excited about this kid. Yeah, currently watching his highlights as we speak, and he is really fast. Not only is he fast, he has a low center of gravity, he's shifty, and he's amazing. He is outstanding out of the backfield catching the ball. Very comfortable, very fluid, good routes, and I'm making all of these you know, um, declarations after three minutes and 20 seconds. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Blake Corn. We need a running back coming in, and... Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this kid. This might be one of my three favorite recruits in the class. Nice, nice. And we'll get to that, too. We're going to pick some of our favorite recruits. And uh, great point about receiver out of the backfield. Based on what I've seen, looks like he can do that as well. Um, in the Gaddis offense, not sure how Gatt long Gaddis will be there, but uh, this kid fits it. Speedy, speedy kid out of the backfield that can catch the ball, make guys miss. Really good pickup for Michigan. Uh, we're going to keep going through this roster, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are breaking down the 2020 recruiting class right now, which has severely jumped in the last couple weeks. Most of these commits we've touched on have been in the last few weeks. Uh, just touched on Blake Corum running back. We're moving on to our next four-star, Andre Selden. nine quarterback, 154 pounds. Uh, while this kid is extremely fast, seem a, uh, it seems to be a trend in this recruiting class, uh, he's going to need some time in the program just to beef up, beef up if nothing else. But I see a lot of Jordan Lewis in him. Very tenacious, quick, quick twitch athlete. Um, from what I've seen, it's mostly camp highlights, so he's not in pads. But uh, you know the kid's fast if you're going to recruit a cornerback at 5'9". 
Yeah, five nine one fifty four, and his composite star ratings over ninety. So he must be something incredible on the field, like a honey badger or something at the corner position. Um, I'm dubious just because it says one hundred and fifty four pounds. But I mean, we'll see. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. When I put on my backpack in the morning and take my work supplies to work, it weighs more than 154 pounds. So, kids definitely got to bulk up. And I, you know me, I'm a fan of corners, safeties, and linebackers. So, I always get really high on them. So, yeah, I'm high on the kid, but he's got a ways to go. I'm going to temper that. Uh, moving down the list, four star offensive tackle, Zach Zinter, 6'6, 300. One of the few offensive linemen I've been able to watch tape on. Uh, love that they're putting a focus on offensive tackle. This guy looks like he's going to be a player. Got high hopes for Zinter. Double Z. Like, I'm just going to start calling him that already. Like, I just want a shirt that has that. Like, two Zs that kind of look like uh, lightning bolts or something like that. Oh, yeah, we need to market this. Zach Zinter, big fan, great name, 300 pounds. Sign me up. If he's good enough, we'll just start going around with a sword carving Zs into people's shirts like Zorro, and uh, that will be how we mark our appreciation for Zinter. But it's early. Anything, yeah, we just need white t-shirts, we'll just cut a Z in it. I mean, we're there. That's what I'm saying, we're already there, this is genius. Moving down the list, uh, four-star offensive linebacker Osman Savage, been committed for a little while now, 6'2", 225, guy that a lot of other programs were high on, and uh, the name. I mean, that's all you need to say. This kid is going to play for us, his last name is Savage. I expect him to be, maybe be the greatest college football player of all time. Best name on the team by far as soon as he steps in Ann Arbor. Yep. Uh, same high school as Blake Corn, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, so another Maryland kid. Uh, yeah, we are well represented in the Northeast. Uh, moving down the list, Arizona quarterback J.D. Johnson, 6'4", 215. It's kind of crazy that he's rated below this guy, a lot of these guys, and it's also kind of insane that he's just forgotten about because of J.J. McCarthy in the following year's recruiting class. But J.D. Johnson is a highly recruited quarterback he stands 6'4", he can move in the pocket, like, this guy's an afterthought in this recruiting class. For all we know, he could end up being the best player in this class. Michigan's, including the freshmen coming onto campus this season, Michigan's next three quarterbacks of note, Cade McNamara, J.D. Johnson, J.J. McCarthy. I mean, I mean that's first-team all-quarterback names. All-quarterback names, or senators. Yeah, it's not like you have Stephen Threat on campus and you just know he's going to be Buns because of his name. It's like, I don't know who's going to be the best out of these guys. One of them will be, though. I mean, you're not wrong. One of these guys will emerge as one of the best. Uh, moving down the list, our most recent, our second most recent recruit, Roman Wilson, out of Honolulu, Hawaii, giving Michigan recruits from 13 different states. Uh, another speedy wideout, six foot, but verified sub 4-4 time. I mean, you've got guys on this team now that are shorter, faster, more athletic, quick-twitch athletes. I mean, this is Josh Gaddis' effect being illustrated once again. I mean, clearly they're targeting a different breed of wideout, and this kid fits the bill. This is a kid you should be excited about. His highlight film isn't quite as exciting as A.J. Henning, but pretty fun to watch. You know who went to the same high school as Roman Wilson? I don't. Tua Tagovailoa. There you go. That's all I need to know. Heisman. There it is. <laughs> it's locked up. Uh, apparently, um, that high school has become a hotbed for talent in the state of Hawaii. Uh, besides tourism, I guess football is good export for him. So I'm excited for him. I, Nikel? Is it Nikel? You know? Oh no, I'm on. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong name. Uh, Roman. Oh, I'm sold. 
<laughs> Roman <laughs> Wilson. Yeah, that's a dope first name. Yeah, all name team could potentially become that. Uh, moving down, now we're into the three stars. Nikai Hale Green, outside linebacker, been recruited for a while, but this is a kid a lot. Like, once again, look at the offer sheets for a lot of these kids. You're going to see Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson on a lot of them, Alabama on a couple of them, Oklahoma State, Virginia Tech. I mean, other teams are big on these guys. They may be three stars, but I expect a lot of them to rise up. Nikai Hale, Hale Green's another one that could rise up. Uh, really recruited the linebacker position well. I mean, we're loading up on linebacker and stole a couple of these guys from Ohio State as well. Yeah, this kid is the third of four kids from the same high school in Baltimore. He and Osman Savage are in the same linebacking core. I mean, I just got done watching The Wire. Baltimore puts out some savages, so. Yeah, and then not, I mean, we'll get to him later, but we're also bringing a, a tackle from their school as well. So, I mean, we're just loading, I mean, so Blake Corbin's going to be running behind the same tackle coming in, four guys from that one high school. Like, Do you know if that's the same high school that Henry Pogge came from? I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. just see where Biff Pogge's the head coach at and we'll know because we definitely have a pipeline built there. Um, yeah, we've definitely got some some roots being built in the Northeast. Different high school. Different high school. But, yeah, the roots are clearly being built in the Northeast, and uh, that's where we're getting a lot of our talent. But spread it a lot around a lot in this recruiting class as well. Uh, moving down, this is a center uh, recruited specifically as a center, which we touched on. You've got to find a replacement for Cesar Ruiz. Reese Atterbury out of Georgia, 6'5", 280. I mean, he was being recruited by Georgia. So this is a kid that's probably going to be a four-star when it's all said and done. I'm high on this kid. Footage from a center is tough to watch. I don't really know what I'm seeing, uh, but I'm looking at the offer list, and I'm high on this kid. Um, I like that he's being recruited as a flat-out center. I hope that doesn't limit him, like, positionally or anything. But, yeah, I'm for it. Reese Atterbury, I have no other thoughts. Center's the, the second most important position on the line, and you could argue first most because, you know, they, they're the ones that coordinate everything. So I'm all about recruiting centers knowing they're going to be a center. Big fan of that. Uh, moving down the list, we got another offensive lineman, another offensive lineman I'm high on, and that's Jeffrey Percy. He, cl he clocks in right now at 6'7", meaning he's probably 6'6", 265. Uh, and to me, that sounds like a tight end. Uh, but converted tight ends, that type of body type, make for great left tackles. So watch out for this kid. We've got a pretty good lineup of left tackles looking like uh, at Michigan for the next couple years. But I love that they're building depth at a position that when Harbaugh came in was an absolute disaster. He's six seven. I mean, <laughs> that's it. You won, you won me over. No, no, nothing else needed. I mean, I could look at his film and try to give you some half-assed research about man, really quick hips, turning out good. No, no. he's six seven. He's a seventeen-year-old kid right now. Yeah, and uh, beyond this, I haven't watched a lot of film on a lot of these guys. We've got strong side defensive end Aaron Lewis. 6'5", 235, that's about what Chris Wernley came into the program at. So there you go with that. Um, any any words on Aaron Lewis? None. <laughs> Moving. They don't call him the best color man in sports for nothing, folks. Moving down, we got William Mohan, an athlete out of Brooklyn. 6'1", 195, seems to me like a safety. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's tough to say, but a quick kid based on uh, on what I'm reading here. Uh, after that, Cornell Wheeler, another inside linebacker. And that kind of goes to show they really, really prioritized linebacker in this draft class. And uh, 
a lot of these guys were being recruited by Ohio State and Michigan State. So I feel like we cleaned up in the sense that we took a lot of top prospects from rivals at the linebacker position. That's, I mean, that's just invaluable. Um, Devin Bush was such an under-the-radar three-star recruit. He wasn't, I mean, getting four star. out. Four-star, sorry. I mean, that one kind of went under the radar, I said. Like, just didn't seem like the big one. But now it seems like we're actually competing for positions at positions of need. Yeah. Like, we're competing in these linebacker groups for other talent. We're competing with the top receivers, the tackles. So, I mean, Josh Gatt's effect. The Josh Gaddis effect, absolutely. And Bush was being recruited by a lot of teams, but I don't remember being heavily recruited by Big Ten teams. I think Florida State and Miami were the teams after him. Um, and a lot of these other guys have offers from Southern schools, so you can see the speed. Uh, speaking of speed, three-star athlete, Iman Dennis, 5'10", 173, another guy that looks like he's an absolute speedster. I think he'll probably be a wide receiver. Um, and that would mean Mohan probably at safety, but another guy you could maybe convert. Um, I like it. Con uh, you know, they're recruiting some versatility here, and uh, you can't have too many athletes on the outside, whether you put them at corner or at wide receiver. No, absolutely not. Load up on all the athletes, and you sort out positions when they get on campus. Absolutely, and he's another recent recruit, another guy that we've added into the fold in the last couple weeks. Moving down the list, three-star tight end Nick Patterson. You've watched film on him. I haven't. Any thoughts? Young, raw, a lot of upside. I, I don't really doubt the Harbaugh administration recruiting tight ends, but uh, at the same time, I've got to see something from a lot of the guys they have on the roster this year. They've recruited the position, but you're still relying on Nick Eubanks, who's been there for five years. So, so we'll see. Hoping the best for Nick Patterson. Uh, moving down the list, our most recent commit, strong side defensive end, Chris Jenkins, 6'4", 239. Uh, plays at a good program. A lot of other kids from that school being recruited. Ohio State just took their linebacker. Um, so I like kids that play at a well-established high school program. Don't know much about him. Uh, pretty generic name. Generic name. That's how we're going to sum it up here. Um, <laughs> his high school is called, called Our Lady Good Council High School. So that's definitely a negative. Um <laughs> <laughs> he only weighs 239. That concerns me right now, but he does have a year to put on weight uh, as a senior. So this number I know I have correct on our next recruit. Offensive tackle, our longest tenured recruit, Micah Maskua, 6'5", 335. Yeah, that is, um, that's Blake Corum's left tackle. Yeah, I mean, that dude, that's the kind of weight you expect to see on a Wisconsin offensive tackle. Something tells me that's not all athletic weight. If it is, he should not be a three-star. Yeah, it's probably not all athletic weight, but man, if they could get him down to a lean 310, 300, whew, watch out. He could push, he could push. And uh, yeah, he's been committed to us for a while, so could be a sleeper. Uh, lowest rated recruits, uh, tight end Matt Hibner, 6'4", 230, and Gage Garcia, running back, both three stars. He's not technically listed because he's actually on a wrestling scholarship, but I believe walking onto the team. I think that's how it's going to work, but that rounds out this class. So His name far. is Gage, for God's sakes. What else do you need? That's what I'm saying. Looks like a true Wilson, too. So looking at this class, kind of what are your overall thoughts of this class? Um, are you happy where it's at? What do you think we need to add? It's a very deliberate class. Like There seems to be a clear plan of attack to add some beef on the lines and athleticism everywhere else. doesn't matter about size as much as it does speed, positions like corner and in the secondary. Um, 
as as far as positions of need, they've really done a good job addressing. Like maybe another running back just to be safe, but as far as and maybe maybe another corner for sure. But they're going to sort that out with the athletes. Uh, linebacker has been addressed, so I would just say for now, maybe another running back. Yeah, I like where you're at there, and I completely agree. What should be taken away from this is speed. Uh, the Gattis effect is clearly visible throughout this class, especially at the receiver position where we're going smaller and faster. Um, I like big receivers in college. I really do. Like, Nico Collins is going to catch a lot of balls this year. But we saw what Paris Campbell and those dudes at Ohio State were able to do to us. So maybe that's the way to go. Um, I don't know how long Gattis is going to stick around, but while he's there, these kids fit what he's trying to do, and I think they're going to be college football players at, at a high level regardless. Uh, let's talk about, and we're going to go through the last couple of recruiting classes here to kind of talk about the guys that we're picking to see you know, how right we are based on our three minutes of, uh, of highlight film tape per player. Who are you high on in this class? Who's going to be hits? Um, let's go back and forth. I'll give you one first. Braden McGregor is going to hit. Lock. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like he's just going to be an animal from the outside. Already has the frame. All about Michigan from the get-go. Um, yeah, Braden McGregor is my first one. Safe pick. Absolutely safe pick. I mean, he's almost the same player as Aiden Hutchinson, except maybe more athletic. So, yeah, Braden McGregor is going to be a player. That's safe. I like that pick. For a safe pick, I'll take Kalel Mullings. Um, but I'm not here for the safe picks. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Morant, my first pick. Recruited as a pure safety at 5'11", he's only 17, so expect him to hopefully be around six foot, which is perfect safety height. Uh, a position where we haven't really had elite play, and now he's going to be paired next to Dax Hill and watch this kid's highlight film. I'm a fan of the secondary and linebackers. Those are my favorite two positions to watch, and this kid is a ball hawk. Um, already, I mean, in high school, his instincts jump off the film. And if, if you can't teach instincts. So if he comes in with those instincts, I think this could be a kid that's contributing early. Jordan Morant, watch out. I love how he went from Clayle Mullings to Jordan Morant as a safe pick to a not safe pick from a 9-3-8-8 to a 9-3-6-8. I love the risk you're taking. I'm taking big <laughs> risks. Look. <laughs> okay, um, I am going to go down on one. I'd take a big risk here. I will say... I'd say Reese Atterbury hits at center. Yeah, I agree. At six six five being recruited right out of Denver. I think it's a, I mean the, the little I've seen on Reese Atterbury, I just I'm kind of getting off the rails here. I think uh, center is a position that like it's a very specific need, a very specific skill set, and it looks like they found the guy they think has it. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of touched on that when we were going through him. This is the three star that I'm highest on. Uh, him and Nikai Hill Green. Um, both I think will end up being four stars. Yeah, you're, you're right on target there. Uh, another hit is probably going to be, or you're going to hit on one of these wide receivers. It's between Henning, Roman Wilson, and uh, who's the guy they took a little bit? Iman Dennis. You're going to hit on one of those. I like Henning. He's the most highly recru recruited guy we got on the team, but he has a verified 4-3-7 speed. Look at what Mike Sainristrill has already done. Um, I looked at the most updated uh, recruiting rankings, and I also played the NCAA 14 with the updated roster. Sainer still starts on that team based on what we've seen on him, from him thus far. If they're recruiting the wide receiver position like that, and Henning was the guy that they said we need to have, I'm not going to bet against that. I'm saying A.J. Henning is, is going to hit. That's I think you're dead on with that. Like I think he's going to, especially in this system with Gaddis, oh yeah. Um, 
last hit for me, uh, Oshman Savage. Not just based on name alone. Um, outside linebacker at 6'2", 225 already. He's already coming in uh, taller, not as thick as Devin Bush, but right around the same weight. And he's going to put on more. Probably expect him around 235 when he gets on the field. That's a big, big young man. Yeah, I really like that pick. Another guy I've got my eye on. Yeah, I mean, and we're kind of we're floating around the four stars here. You took Reese Atterbury. He was a three star. So I want to get another three star on there. And uh, there's a couple guys. I mean, this is a really well-balanced class. Iman Dennis makes a lot of sense as a guy that could emerge just because of his speed. Um, Micah Maskua, uh, just looking at his size, intrigues me. But uh, I'm going to go with Jeffrey Percy, offensive tackle. Listed at 6'7". You can probably assume he's 6'6". He's at 265, and he's put on about 30 pounds. Um, but seems to be athletic. And I like when you recruit a guy and develop him at offensive tackle that's the way wisconsin does it they go get big dudes that are lean and athletic and they recruit them so this kid jeffrey percy on offensive tackle all of a sudden offensive tackle which was a position you you and i bemoaned when we first started doing this podcast all of a sudden has a three deep that looks as good as anyone yeah it really does and you know it's hard to guess on these three stars because if you go back to the 2018 class the two lowest-rated recruits were Ronnie Bell and Jake Moody, who arguably had the biggest impact on the team last year. <laughs> Very true, and that is a perfect segue. I want to kind of talk on who we've been right on, who we've been wrong on, and reassess that here. So 2018 recruiting class, I'll just run it out for you real quick. Aiden Hutchinson, Cam McGrone, Mustafa Muhammad, Miles Simmons. Miles Sims, Sim. excuse me. He's not with us anymore, so I don't care. Joe Milton, <laughs> Jalen Mayfield. Ryan Hayes, Jamon Green, uh, German Green, Christian Turner, Taylor Upshaw, Sammy Faustin, Van, Van Summerine, Julius Welshoff, Vincent Gray, Michael Barrett, Luke Schoenmacher, Hassan Haskins, Ronnie Bell, Jake Moody. That's your 2008 foot, uh, 2018 recruiting class. Do you remember who we were really high on in that? I know a couple guys I was high on. Um, right off the bat, I was high on Aiden Hutchinson, which seems it's going to be a hit. Um, really high on Mustafa Muhammad hit, uh, seems to be a hit. Like everything's trending up for him. And the other player that sticks out for me, I was high on was Michael Barrett and the jury's still out on that one. I would say jury's still out on Muhammad too. I don't know that you could call him a hit yet when Eric all seemed to show a little bit more promise than him in the spring That's game. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I would say jury's still out on Muhammad guys. I was high on, I mean, you did better than I did. Miles Sims was the guy I was highest on. He's no longer with the program. Joe Milton, I, I mean, that speaks for itself. He may not end up in a Michigan uniform when it's all said and done, looking at the depth chart. And then beyond that, I like Sammy Faustin. You know, I'm always looking at the back end. Faustin, still with the program, jury's still out on him. So I would say in this class, uh, and Barrett, Barrett is another guy that intrigues me. But still, all the guys I picked, jury's still out. But at the same time, this was their first year. Neither exactly. of us, Yeah, neither of us picked Christian Turner. Let's be real about it. And uh, neither of us picked Jalen Mayfield. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, we can't write them off yet. There's a lot of development still to be had. We'll see where everything goes. Sammy Faustin's been getting some praise in camp. Uh, if Vincent Gray's on there. He could be our other starting cornerback. He could pass up Ambry Thomas. So yeah. we'll see. There's, yeah. I mean, a lot of players in here that could still definitely hit. Young. Um, Maybe some of our misses will turn into hits. We'll see. That's what I'm saying. And Cam McGrone was the second highest rated uh, player in that recruiting class. And we haven't seen much from him. But, I mean, the potential is there for him to have a big leap. 
2019 recruiting class. Those are the players that are just getting to cl uh, on campus right now. I'll run through that. Charbonnet, Maisie Smith, Jalen Perry, Cade McNamara, best quarterback name in football, David Ojabo, Eric All, Mike Sainer still, Gabe Newberg, Dax Hill, Chris Hinton, Trent Jones, Rumler, Cornelius Johnson, Trevor Keegan, Anthony Solomon, Carson Barnhart, Giles Jackson, Quentin Johnson, Mike Morris, DJ Turner, Charles D Johnson, Zach Carpenter. This is a massive recruiting class. Yes. Jack Stewart, and then who else? Uh, and that about uh, Joey Velasquez, Quintel Kent, and then you you got to count Mike Dana as part of that too. This class, we were talking about it offline. I think this class is going to be full of players. Yeah, I mean, take your pick on who you think is going to hit. I mean, I feel like you have a coin flip to nail one of them. Um, no disrespect to him, but is Gabe Newberg the worst name on the team? Without a doubt. Gabe is the worst. <laughs> it's top three worst names that you can give someone. Gabe and Glenn, they don't really inspire a lot of power. No, but I mean, if Gabe Newberg comes out here and has a couple sacks right away as a true freshman out of nowhere, I'm going to name my next kid Gabe, so we'll see what happens. I sure hope not. I know, me too. I'm, really, I'm not rooting against the kid, you know, I'm just like not rooting for him. <laughs> I'd rather you name your kid Maisie uh, and, and have Maisie Smith have a breakout year. But yeah, I mean, this class, it's tough to pick two or three guys that we were high on because I'm high on a lot of these guys. Uh, Charbonnet, let's both start the list with a guy that we were clearly both high on and remain high on. He's Terrell Davis. Come on, that's all I need to say. He has to be. If he's not, we're in serious trouble, let me tell you that. Uh, beyond that, David Ojabo. David Ojabo is a guy, he is our Ezekiel Alonza. He's a kid that, you know, didn't play the position for very long, just coming into his body, but at 6'4 and a half, he's going to be 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, I think. At 240 coming in, I bet now he's at 260, I guarantee it, um, just being in that program. I mean, this kid, David Ojabo, could be the next elite pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, everything coming out of spring ball is definitely indicating that as well. I mean, everybody seems to be high on this kid, Sean Nua especially. Uh, I'm staying on the defensive line, but I'm going with um, Chris Hinton. Only thing that concerns me about Chris Hinton is his hairline, and that's something I would never say to his face because he would rip my arms off and beat me with them. Um, he's going to be a stud, and he is going to go right into this lineup, I think, right at the defensive tackle. And, yeah, he's going to wreck people. And that's exactly what Michigan needs is the game record, the tackle position, just like Mo Hurst was. He's the most slept-on five-star I can remember because he committed so early. People forget about him. But I just played the uh, NCAA 2014 with the updated rosters. He was the most productive defensive tackle. Him and Dwumfor ran the inside. This kid, he's already 6'4", 280, put on another 10 pounds. You're at starting weight. Uh, he's a five-star for a reason. I can't believe people don't talk about Chris Hinton more. Chris Hinton's going to be a hit. It almost seems cheating to say him or Dax Hill, but because he slept on so much, I like where your head's at. Um, yeah, just go watch his highlights when you have time on YouTube. He just wrecks every game he's in. Wrecks them. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think we're going to hit on a couple offensive linemen out of this class. I like Trent Jones. I like Keegan, and I like Rumler. Um, but I'm going to go with Keegan and Rumler here. Um, I think we hit on both. And I feel pretty good about it. Uh, Keegan especially looks extremely athletic. I mean, you saw the pictures of him dunking. I mean, or the video of him dunking come out today on Twitter. 
That was Barnhart, wasn't it? Oh, you're right. That was Carson Barnhart. So they're just yeah. recruiting incredibly athletic tackles and guards. Uh, Rumler's going to hit, mark my words. And Keegan, I like as well. I also like Barnhart. So, I mean, this is a tough class to pick a couple, but I'm taking Rumler and Keegan as hits. I'm. This might be one of my favorite Michigan classes, top to bottom. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at guys and you're like, Quinton Johnson, safety. Uh, only, I mean, he's a four-star and no one talks about him. Quinton Johnson could end up being better than Kalee Hudson based on his recruiting ranking, his film. I mean, he plays for a good program. I mean, this is a this is a slept-on class. Yeah, very much so. I mean, forget, like, this is the eighth-best class in the country. Like, no, there's a lot of talent on here. Um, but <laughs> Kate McNamara, for God's sakes, Jalen Perry, like, Eric, all, all these guys. But it all starts and ends with Zach Charbonnet. Like, that's the end of it. It really does. Last guy I'm going to mention is DJ Turner the second. I mean, I'm a secondary guy. It's become pretty clear. Are you a secondary guy as in position or the fact that he's DJ Turner the second? <laughs> Fair question, but it's a secondary guy in the sense that I like the back end of the defense. Uh, okay. Being the second name person in your family doesn't do much for me. I mean, it does add a little flair to your name. If I were Jared Stormer the second, it's a little flair, but it's not yeah, really you doing can't, much. You can't also add that to your jersey after like your 10 years in college just for your 11th year like your JT Barrett. Like all of a sudden you're going to be the fourth. No, fuck off. That's what I'm saying. Are there four? Uh, th- are there three other JT Barretts on the team? No. But DJ Turner, out of the IMG Academy, has the size, has the speed. I mean, I get high on a guy every year. I mean, look how high I was on Miles Sims, and I was obviously wrong. So this is one I'm prepared to be wrong on, but we're going to hit on some of these corners, for God's sake. We have to. Do you, right, if you have one guess, what does IMG Academy stand for? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I would assume there'd be something about athletics in the name, but none of that really lines up. What does it stand for? Integrated matricule grading? That's a good guess. I still can't find it. All I get is like IMG, like uh, like the entertainment company. And Inst- I'm like, hold on. Like, who runs this school? It's probably institution for I. Oh, that's a very good guess. Yeah, I feel good about that. And we didn't even touch on in this class Giles Jackson, who we've touched on both of us. You and I are high on Giles Jackson. So that's what, how good this class is. It wasn't an insult by us. No, I like Giles Jackson fits exactly what we're trying to do. And Eric All looks like a stud. And we didn't even touch on those guys. So I really like this, recru- this 19 recruiting class. And uh, real quick, let's touch on the class we just covered, the 2020 recruiting class, who you got as hits and who you got as misses. I'm still reading about the IMG campus that has 20 multi-sport fields, 50 tennis courts, and a 5,000-seat state-of-the-art stadium, an 18-hole golf course, two basketball gyms, and two 10,000-square-foot weight rooms, and a Gatorade Sports Science Institute because it's a high school. (laughs) That's insane. That sounds like the Google campus, not a fucking high school. It's a high school, yeah. Um... Did we already do this, our hits? Oh, yeah, we already did. We already did hits on this, so we're covered there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, the IMG Academy doesn't make any sense, but so long as you keep sending us the Cesar Ruizes of the world, we'll take it, and the Shea Pattersons. Please do. If you need a teacher like to help you out with like a podcasting class, please hire us. We got you there. So Michigan football, uh, reason to be excited about the recruiting classes. We'll see what they do with them, but a lot of athleticism coming in. Uh, reloading at Michigan, not rebooting, reloading. And I think that's the key. 
All right, we are going to take another quick break, but when we come back, we're going to finish up. Uh, we are still moving along the season with our uh, season preview. We got Iowa next. We're also going to do our entertainment segment in honor of our great recruiting class. We're talking best ensemble casts. Uh, we will be back with that and more after this. All right, we are back on Out of the Blue, moving forward with our season preview. After Rutgers, Michigan gets a bye, which is essentially two bye weeks in a row. And then we get Iowa at home, thank God. Uh, but still could be an interesting matchup. Let's go into this one. Andy, what are your thoughts on that matchup against Iowa at home? I feel like nothing has changed with Iowa in the last 30 years, at least since Kirk Ferenc has been there. They're going to be a solid team. They're probably going to be a tough out because they always are. They're going to have some elite players like A.J. Apensia might be the best player in the Big Ten, regardless of position. Um, they, they lose some talent to the NFL, but they develop really well there. But for all the talent they have on their team, you think they would compete with like the Alabamas of the world, and they just never perform to that level. No, and they don't recruit at that level. I think they kind of outperform their recruiting rankings. I mean, Kirk uh, Ferentz has been there for 21 years. Uh, Four-year stretch where they combined for 37 wins, uh, but they had nine wins last year, 27-22 win over Mississippi State in the bowl game. So coming off uh, probably what you would have to consider in Iowa a pretty successful season. And they bring back Nate Stanley, who is on pace to be the most prolific passer in Iowa history. Now, that's not saying much, but at the same time, I mean, Iowa with a quarterback could be a scary proposition. Um, their running game returns all their leading rushers, but none of them should scare you necessarily based on their stats. But if you watch some tape on some of these guys, they've, they're always able to run the ball, and they're going to be able to move the ball, and that's what they're going to try to do against us. Uh, both their returning rushers from last year return, and that's uh, Makai Sargent, who had 800 yards and nine touchdowns, and their backup had uh, 637 and five touchdowns, and that's Torrin Young. And they want to run the football, so expect more of that. And uh, while those numbers shouldn't scare you, I expect those numbers to improve. Yeah, and their line at tackles are solid. They're bringing back both starters from last year, and Alaric Jackson, and their right tackle is Tristan Wirfs. Um, but the interiors were going to get a little interesting. And this is where Michigan can exploit them, is Carlo Kemp, Ojabo, Duomfor, whoever's going to be inside has to make them pay for the way they're going to be shifting things around in there and trying to solidify their running game. Pass pro, they're going to be tough, but we have to be able to disrupt the running, and this running back by committee thing is going to allow them to keep barreling at us. So Michigan's going to have to attack, throw some confusion at them, mess around with them, kind of like what Notre Dame did to Michigan last year to start the season. Yeah, yeah, and to con continue on their defense, last year their defense was solid. Uh, they were seventh nationally at uh, seventeen point eight yard, or excuse me, points per game. So decent defense. They lose seven starters, but like you said, they bring back a Pensa, who's going to be one of the best players in the country, if not the Big Ten. Um, defensive line looks to be pretty stout, uh, but then they're replacing a lot of guys on the back end, which really, you know, it bodes well for what we're going to try and do next year. We're going to try and spread them out, and we're going to try and come at them with a different attack than we've been coming at Iowa. I feel like Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan have all tried to play the same game the last couple of years, and that results in these really close games. We're coming at them with a totally different approach next year. So this is kind of a tough game to predict. Uh, this is going to be a wildly different matchup than we've seen in the past. But that being said, I mean, Iowa's Iowa. You know what to expect. They're going to come in ready to play. It's tough to predict a blowout. 
Yeah, I I can't just out of respect, honestly, for their program. Thank God it's not at Kinnick. Otherwise, this is probably a field goal type of game. Yeah, a nail biter. Um, I think a relatively conservative. Most of the games so far we've had have been blowouts. Um, Army was somewhat close, a couple score game. Uh, but with this one, I'm going to go Michigan gets it done 24-13. It's going to be close. It's going to be probably sloppy and ugly at times. Uh, but I think forced fumble or something like that could swing it and allow Michigan to pull away later. I can see that. Who do you think were players of the game in this one early on? Uh, I'm going to go with Carlo Kemp because, like I said before, I think it's got to be a tackle. I think defensive tackle could have a huge game. could also be a Josh Ross big game. Yeah. Worked in the middle of that. And uh, offensively, I'm going to go with – John Runyon Jr. going against the best player in the Big Ten, possibly, and A.J. Pensia. Like, he's going to have to have a big one. Even if he is just end-of-season John Runyon last year really good and just gets beat a couple times but holds his own, that's player of the game, in my opinion. That's what you got to do against the elites. That's a really good choice because, honestly, he's going to be the biggest problem of Pensa for us to deal with. And if Runyon comes in and holds his own against him, watch out for first two-round kind of buzz for Runyon. I mean, yeah. what a leap for him. I agree with you. This is going to be a tight one. Um, there, I just don't see us running away with this one. Um, but at the same time, who knows, because this is going to be such a different matchup than we're used to seeing. But I was just a tough team, and they're not going to come into to Michigan Stadium and just run all over us. Uh, we're not going to probably run all over them with that defense. So I think it'll be close. We're going to have to pass the ball extremely well. That's kind of the theme for this year anyway. I'm going to say that this is going to be the kind of team we're going to be putting up at least 30 points. So I'm going to go 27 for Michigan, um, and I'm going to go 17 for Iowa. Yeah, so we'll go something like 27-17. This game's probably going to be close for a lot of it, and we pull out late in the game where we start to pull away. Uh, Players of the game, I love the John Runyon pick. I'm not going to copy you there. Um, So I'm going to say I don't see us running the ball extremely well. Um, I've already picked a couple wide receivers. I've picked Shea Patterson already. So I'm going to go with a guy, Sean McEwen. Really? Interesting. Here's a chance for you, Sean McEwen, in somewhat of a make-or-break year. Uh, You're going to be on the field a lot for your blocking and the fact that you can be relied upon. Here's a chance for you to show some of your catching prowess against a team known for putting tight ends into the NFL. So we'll see. I'm, I'm going to go Sean McEwen here because he's going to do some blocking as well. He's going to have to hold off some of that defensive line, uh, but also could have some chances for some critical catches. I don't predict 100 yards or anything, but 67 yards on five catches and a touchdown, I mean, he could make the difference in that. And on defense, I love what you're thinking. I'm going to go with the guy that you mentioned, and that's going to be Josh Ross, who the further we get into this offseason, the higher and higher I get on. I think Josh Ross could have a big year. And uh, they're going to try and run the ball. He's going to be there for him. I like that. Good. Yeah, dude. I love that pick of Josh Ross. And going with old stone hands, Sean McEwen. Yeah, Caught him out on more than one occasion. But, God, I hope he turns it around. You're right. And he's got the talent to do it. I mean, I'm not going to let one mediocre year just write off a guy who can – he finds his way onto the field, so he's good enough. Yeah, his, his biggest flaw – as you put it best one time, is the inopportune drops. Yes. Like, he, he's a drive killer. Like, it's a third and four, and he drops it. Or he runs a route short and then drops that. It's like, come on, Sean, for the love of God. That's what I'm saying, man. The drops don't come on first and ten against Rutgers. They come on, you know, third and six against Ohio State. Like, I get it. You're going to have some drops, but not in the opportune moments, especially since tight ends are security blankets. 
Yeah, uh, this game also could be a big Ben Mason game in defensive tackle. We're going to be rotating some bodies in the interior to keep things fresh, mixing in that speed to counteract one force power. That could be a little wrinkle we see here. Yeah, I like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of these games could turn into, you know, some SEC and maybe even Big 12 type games. I expect this to look like a Big 10 football game. Yeah, this is Big Ten, like, 1996. Like, it's the, it's basically the first to 25 wins. Maybe even the first to 20 wins. Yeah, it, it could be that type of game. That's how I see it going down. But, uh, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll make more predictions uh, once the season gets rolling and we're on the eve of the Iowa game. But right now, I like how we're viewing this. Uh, let's finish the night in honor of the recruiting classes of this year and, honestly, last year, too. Uh, we're talking best ensemble casts, movies that have put together casts that honestly seem too good to be true. Uh, and maybe our recruiting classes aren't quite on that level, but at the same time, we're putting together something that's pretty special. So we're going to talk about our favorite movies that put together great casts, and that's what makes them. So uh, you want to start this one off, Andy? I would love to start this one off. I'm super excited to talk about these because some of my favorite movies of all time are ensembles. Um, I'm going to start my own personal top ten with one, and that is Paul Thomas Anderson, Boogie Nights. My main man, Phil Hoffman, Mark Wahlberg, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, Burt Reynolds, Julianne Moore. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, The movie is outstanding. It's hilarious. It's very dark. It's really rewatchable for being three hours and doesn't feel that way. And every time I come back to it, I laugh a little bit harder. If you get Philip Seymour Hoffman in a supporting role, you're almost going to make this list. Because, I mean, he almost seems like a steal, but was never quite the leading role type of guy. Um, Mark Wahlberg at the time, that was one of his first big roles, so you get him at a discount. Julianne Moore was a pretty big name. There's a couple big names. Burt Reynolds had been down and out at that time, so you get him at a discount. So you get an ensemble cast kind of built on a budget and built very well. Yeah, with William H. Macy's randomly there for a little bit. I mean, there's people popping up left. Heather Graham. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's popping up left and right in that one. So uh, what do you got? Yeah, I love that William H. Macy comment, too. Right up there with Philip Seymour Hoffman for supporting guys. Uh, I'm going to go with one, one of my favorite movies of all time, more recent. This is a Wes Anderson film, and you can almost pick any Wes Anderson film as far as uh, ensemble casts. But The Grand Budapest Hotel, one of his more recent ones, Listen to this cast, and I mean, you can count up the Oscar nods and wins on your own, but Ralph Fiennes, F. Murray Abraham, Jude Law, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, Tom Wilkinson, Owen Wilson, and Bill Murray, all in the same movie. And I'm probably forgetting someone. Jason Schwartzman. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, let's, let's not get too carried away. That being said, though, uh, of his ensemble cast, that's Wes Anderson, I think this is his best. It's the funniest Ralph Fiennes, who's played many a villain. He, I mean, he was Voldemort, for Christ's sake. Comes out as one of the most likable characters of all time. The Grand Budapest is infinitely rewatchable. Grand Budapest is probably my favorite Wes Anderson film. Agreed. I mean, there are tons of good ones, and... I'm looking up one quick thing in that. Also, the the star, I uh, can't pronounce her name right, uh, in that movie, uh, Saros Ronan, who plays oh, yeah, Lady Bird. She's, yeah, she's got an Academy Award nod too, doesn't she? Yeah, she's got a nomination. Yeah, she's yeah. in it. Tom Wilkinson. Like, yeah, the movie's on and on, man. Fantastic pick. It was actually on my list. I thought you might have that, so I had some backups in there. And uh, just so fan, uh, listeners know, 
no more, no superhero movies, no animated movies, because you can just yeah you can overload those a little bit. So we're you looking can. for movies outside of those, and also we're not going to name the Godfather because we know, we we're know. <laughs> um, Grand Budapest though, is fantastic. Uh, Ray Fiennes is incredible in this movie. It's Everything he does, Adrian Brody. Also, Adrian Brody in the role. Yeah, I forgot him. I think he's got an Academy Award or win. win. Yeah, win. he's got a win. For the pianist, yeah. My so, goodness. dude, loaded movie, great choice. Um, it's a tough to top it. Um, a lot of these, though, as you notice, we go back and forth. Uh, a lot of Oscars in them, and a lot of movies been uh, were nominated, like that one was. Um, yeah. My next is uh, one of my top three or four favorite action movies of all time. Uh, back when Michael Mann was still making good movies, um, that is Heat. With Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer, I mean, Tom, um, Tom Sizemore, it goes on and on. Um, William Fickner, I mean, the movie is just loaded with talent. Jeremy Piven's in it for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, just an outstanding action movie. One of the best there is. Uh, bank robbing, peak De Niro, peak Pacino, you get the diner scene. It's everything you want in an action movie. Man, if I could dilute the movie Heat into some sort of substance, I would inject it straight into my arm. I would snort it off this table, half diluted. <laughs> it doesn't even matter if it's cut with Comet. Get it into my system. Just get it in me now, okay? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about the Gaddis offense. It's how I feel about the movie Heat. One of my favorite movies of all time, and a cast that at the time probably seemed pretty loaded, but over time became even more apparently loaded, so... Yeah, that's a great choice. Um, and a movie, as far as movies go, I mean, it doesn't get much better than Heat. My next one is an interesting one. Not that great of a movie. Not one you will rewatch because it's slow. It's a slow burn. But the cast makes it great. And that's Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Uh, I wanted to touch on it because we've never touched on it. But you've got Mark Strong, John, 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 John Hurt, Colin Firth, Benedict Cumberpatch. I mean... This movie goes on and on and on, and I'm missing somebody here. Who I'm missing Tom Hardy. Uh, I'm missing. Boy. I mean, how do you miss Tom Hardy? One of my favorites. I mean, this movie is just, and they're all in kind of supporting roles. And you got a lot of these guys right when they were starting to get on the verge of fame, like Cumberpatch and Hardy. But now, looking back on it, you've got a loaded, loaded movie. Um, that holds up well over time, but honestly, I'm not going to sit here and pump its praises because it almost put me to sleep the first time. I wa I tried to watch it once when it came out, and I fell asleep 30 minutes in. I've never revisited. It's it's tough to get through, but it's a worthwhile get through because of the acting prowess. Okay, I'll have to give another watch then. Um, at least now I know what to expect going into it. You know, right. Um, next one is a movie that's one you're never going to fall asleep in because you'll be too busy laughing. Uh, that is Tropic Thunder. Yes. Uh, ben Stiller, Matt McConaughey, RDJ, Tom Cruise. I mean, Bill Hader has a small role in this thing. Jack Black, Jay Baruchel. I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, it's a. I, I. You never want to go back and revise movies with a 2019 spotlight, and especially with comedies. Um, this movie's perfect. Don't change a line. Don't change anything. Robert Downey Jr. got an Academy Award nomination for this movie, and God damn it, it was well-deserved. My God, I love the pick. And, uh, yeah, you want to talk about a movie that wouldn't hold up well to modern PC culture? It's that one, but it came out just before that became a thing, and it's it's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. I mean, uh, Downey Jr. got a damn Academy Award nod for how absurd his character was. 
So what are you really going to say against this movie? Tom Cruise, it may be his best role. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, just like in his peak rom-com, just comes out with this. You're like, oh yeah, Matthew McConaughey is funny. He is funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that kind of kicked off his run after that. You kind of remembered how good McConaughey was. I love that uh, choice. And it's a timeless comedy. Well, I, I can't say timeless because it doesn't hold up well already. And already people are like, wow, this is extremely racist and insensitive. But damn it to the death of, of funniness just be for the sake of funniness because that's what that is. Yeah, we don't need to go back and uh, you know rejudge these movies. Appreciate it for what it is, and it's fantastic. Would you rather watch um, – um, oh, what was the Queen movie this past year? Uh, there was two of them. What was the bad one you hated with the guy made of snakes? Bohemian Rhapsody. Would you rather watch Bohemian Rhapsody or Simple Jack? Uh, I would rather watch Simple Jack for two and a half hours. Uh, I don't know. You get to hear the Queen music. I don't know. It's tough. But Bohemian Rhapsody is not that good of a movie. That's the be all end all of this. Uh, we're just comparing it to Simple Jack. All right. Your pick, sir. I'm going to do one that has not come out yet. Never done this before. The movie that I'm most excited about for 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, already getting rave reviews as maybe Quentin Tarantino's best, and even if it's his second best, it's going to be the best of the year. Uh, Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Timothy Oliphant, Dakota Fanning, Al fucking Pacino, Kurt motherfucking Russell, and I, I pardon my French, but I don't think there's any other way to say Kurt Russell's name. Luke Perry, Damian Lewis, Emile Hirsch. I mean, this thing goes on and on and on. Take a pick out of Quentin Tarantino movies, who's known for ensemble casts, but he may have outdone himself with his most recent one. And uh, I just have a feeling this is going to be the best movie of 2019. God, I hope it is. I have such high hopes for this movie. It just, please don't let me down. Right? I mean, and that's a tough one, going with one that I haven't seen yet, but it's out there. All right, I'm going with, for my next pick, um, a dual choice. Uh, they are connected. Both actors appear in your movie, and they're each the stars of these two respective movies. That is The Big Short and its antithesis, The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, just it's a, ni a nice little pairing there like about two sides of the stock market, and uh, both are infinitely rewatchable. Hilarious, serious, and dark at times. I mean, downright silly at times. It is just both are great watches. I love them both. When you have a director like Scorsese, do you count him into the ensemble? Because he's almost like a part of the movie when you've got a director Ooh. like that. Oh, I like that take. I like that take. Yeah. When it's Martin or when Tarantino. it's Martin fucking Scorsese, don't pardon my French because the man deserves it. He I know he's not British, but we need to knight him. Yep. Like He's been making movies since the late 60s, and they've all been – like 99% of them are bangers, all right? So give saying. this man all the awards. We need to start a program like that where we make some of these like acclaimed American figures like generals or something. Now, granted, we won't give them any control of military personnel because I can't imagine Quentin Tarantino in charge of a tank division. But at the same time, like we need to give them their proper accord. <laughs> Why are there so many racial slurs in this doctor and Quentin? That's how they, that's how they spoke then, man. We're talking about now. Why is this covered in actual blood? Wes Anderson would just have anything like framed perfectly in his office. What are you doing, you weirdo? Just absolutely symmetrical offense. Yeah, I can't imagine Wes Anderson's workspace. It has to be pristine. 
Oh, yeah. That's how his military would be, though, too. He might be a good military strategist. He actually might be at least disciplined. Yeah. Is Wes Anderson a military strategist? Comment below. <laughs> we want to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> your next movie choice. My next movie's from 1977, and not many people have seen this one. But as far as casts go, I can't really think of one that delivers more Academy Award nods and just star power, and that's A Bridge Too Far. Touched on it in our war movies just because of its cast, but I want you to hear this cast out loud. It is Michael Caine, Sean Connery, Lawrence fucking Olivier, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, Sean Connery, Anthony Hopkins, James Caan, and Elliot Gould. I'm honestly laughing out loud at that cast. That's absurd. That's absurd. How do you get that cast together? That would be like a cast today of like Christian Bale, Robert Downey Jr., Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Tom Hanks. That's, yeah, that's exactly what it's like pairing up. Man, I've never seen that. I've seen a Bridge Over the River Kwai, but Bridge Too Far, that's gotta go on the, it's gotta go on the docket. It's worth watching just because of that, but honestly, the movie itself can't balance the star power. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you balance Lawrence Olivier, Michael Caine, Gene Hackman, and Robert Redford, and Sean, and Anthony? How do you balance that? There's no balance there. That might be more absurd than Avengers Endgame, as far as acting prowess. It really might be. Michael Caine. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite movies is my next pick. That is almost famous. Once again, we're getting mm -hmm. Phil Hoffman. We're getting um, Kate. What's her? I can't think of her last name. I just went blank. Um, I mean, start with the damn Kate movie. Hudson. Kate Hudson, yeah, Kate Hudson, Phil Hoffman, Billy Crudup, Jason Lee, and it just gets deeper from there. The movie's fantastic. I mean, uh, I think it's my wife's favorite movie, and at that moment, I knew she had good taste. Uh, Zoe Deschanel's in it, Anna Paquin. I mean, great movie, so fun to watch. If you love good music and actually good storytelling, enjoy Almost Famous. Quick question, if you're dating someone, talking to someone, and they have horrible opinions on music and movies, do you continue dating them? No, it's over. It's over. You're, you're always projecting long-term. It's like you're drafting a player, you know? And if the player, like, like just loves, like, terrible movies, like if their favorite movie is Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, you know you're going to have to watch it 16 times the rest of your life, it's not worth it. I mean, you're never going to get back those 32 hours. <laughs> if your favorite Fast and the Furious movie is number two and not number five or four to six at least, yeah, yeah, you're you're out on the curb. Yeah, I don't know if it was Paul Walker saying pockets ain't empty because to close the movie as Joe Budden plays. It just didn't do it for me. Sorry. And <laughs> yeah, terminate the relationship, everybody. <laughs> As much as I love Paul Walker and would love to spend an afternoon with him, God rest his soul, you're absolutely right. Um, my last one here is one that I've touched on, I think at least once before. Uh, the most underrated Guy Ritchie film. I won't necessarily say the best because Snatch is a damn near perfect film. But Rock and Rolla, when you look back on this cast, it's kind of like, how did you get them all together? Gerard Butler, Tom Wilkinson, Thandie Newton, Mark Strong, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy, Toby Kebbell, Jeremy Piven ludicrous i mean i'm so happy i ended with ludicrous because it's, it's just, just after we talked about fast and furious 2 yeah and there he is again ludicrous just appearing in some of the great cast and he does fine there's nothing wrong with ludicrous <laughs> put that on a t-shirt there's nothing wrong with ludicrous <laughs> like i'm just trying to explain to everyone my love of ludicrous as an actor uh he's not that bad of an actor he's certainly better in rock and roller than he is in the fast and furious but uh 
never really asked to do too much. We shouldn't spend too much time on Ludacris here. Uh, more so Mark Strong, who I think is up there with the Philip Seymour Hoffmans and William H. Macy's at this point as far as a supporting role. Gerard Butler, before he went on a run of just trash movies when people thought he would be a movie star. Tom Wilkinson, who's just in everything. Uh, Thandie Newton, who's one of the most versatile actresses, one of my favorite actresses, crushes it in Westward. Uh, Westworld, excuse me. Idris Elba, who has blown up since then. Fantastic on the wire, fantastic and everything. And then, of course, Tom fucking Hardy, who's, I mean, at this point, the heir apparent to the Leo DiCaprios of the world as far as young actors. Oh, and I can't not mention Toby Kebbell, the most horribly miscast, talented actor of our time, who should be like one of the top three grossing actors. Just terrible, terrible choices in movies. Rock and Rolla, if you haven't seen it, I understand, like, oh, you know, Snatch, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels. I don't want to see the follow-up to that. This movie's better than Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, and just a shade below Snatch. I like it. I, I know you're a big rock and roller guy, and I know you're a big Toby Kebble guy, so that's awesome. You didn't know that? Uh, yeah, I've never heard that before. I've never spent any oh, time with Oh, I ride hard for Toby Kebble. Like, all right. Next slide. You're going to have to hang with me for a second here. Um, we need to go through, and we just, I need to have a Gerard Butler just like apologist podcast because I mean Geostorm are you kidding me that is Gerard Butler s that is all I want from Gerard Butler um gods of Egypt <laughs> haven't seen it but as long as Gerard Butler's playing himself I'm fine and he also play play I mean just turned into a, a new franchise did you know there's gonna be a third um has fallen movie has like, fallen. Oh, Olympus yeah, yeah, has like, fallen, London has fallen. How, and how the, much else is there to fall? Is it the moon has fallen? Tell me it's no, the moon. It's angel has fallen. And I hope Heaven. it's just about Gerard Butler because he is an angel. Um, but no, he, in all fairness, he sucks. And I just like to defend him because his movies are remind me of 90s action. And I'm always for that. He doesn't necessarily suck. He's just chosen the worst movies ever and appears to be an alcoholic. In Geostorm, he looks hungover in every every shot. Dude, in his defense, he hits an A note in Phantom of the Opera. It's exquisite. Well, I suppose he has that. But Gerard, Gerard Butler, we're not going to sit here and sing his praises because the man, as far as I can tell, is like one of the biggest fall-offs out there. I mean, he has a franchise, dude. Stuck that in your fall-off, all right? You're right. I guess. Hey, we have a franchise, too. Out of the Blue is a franchise. Now, it may not be London Has Fallen. There's yeah. no Morgan Freeman yet. But no still... angels are falling around us, though. No. Everything, I mean... Everywhere this guy goes, it's just shit hits the fan. Like, something's going wrong with your life. Like, it's Gerard Butler's fault. I don't understand how you can be that talented and have all of the world at your whim, and you're like, you know what I need to do? Gamer and Geostorm. No one will besmirch Geostorm's good name as long as I'm alive. Um, all right, I got one more for us. Um, couldn't I just felt kind of dirty if I put the Oceans movies in there because it's still really obvious. But uh, great ensembles throughout, and they get bigger in each movie. Um, but my last choice is one of the most like overlooked great movies of the last five years, and that is Spotlight. Uh, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams. Um, I mean, the movie is just loaded. Great um, Mark Ruffalo as well. I mean, uh, John Slattery. It goes on and on. Um, who's who plays uh, the defense, the crazy defense attorney? Um, oh, that is Stanley Tucci. Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Love Stanley <sighs> Tucci. I mean, just 
a perfect movie, a great cast. Everyone gets their moments. Um, I love the way it's balanced, laid out. The storytelling is beautiful. Um, yeah, Spotlight. Love that pick, man. We've, we're a pro Spotlight podcast here. I think we've often said that it's one of the perfect movies of the last couple of years. Just tough to find a flaw. And uh, the cast, absolutely. No one does an exceptional job. Honestly, Liv Schreiber might do the best acting job in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but just perfectly cast and perfectly executed. I love it. couple honorable mentions for you. If you have anyone. Actually, it's just one honorable mention. Well, two. Uh, one is the Dark Knight trilogy. Seems obvious, so I didn't want to put it in my list. I mean, uh, that cast now, when you look at it, is unreal. Uh, with Christian Bale, Tom Hardy... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Heath Ledger, Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman is a supporting role in your movie. Incredible. Uh, you've got Liam Neeson in one of the roles. I mean, it's just, they don't skimp on the on the talent there. And then I'm going to go Saving Private Ryan. Another one I don't want to spend too much time on because we talked about it in war movies, but Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, Tom Sizemore, Ed Burns, Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper, Giovanna Ribisi when he was still an actor. Um Ted Danson and Paul Giamatti play minor roles. Brian Cranston's in it. Dennis Farina's in it. Nathan Fillion's in it. I mean, just a loaded, loaded cast. Uh, two more to add. Django Unchained and Love Actually. Ooh, Love Actually. See, I didn't want to include any of those kind of like ensemble casts that are built around like separate stories combining. Because it's a little yeah. easier to do. Like, hey, Ashton Kutcher, you want to come film for 25 minutes? You'll be a part only, of this movie. Only reason I include Love Actually because it's good. All the other it ones are good. terrible. <laughs> it is good. It is good. And Quentin Tarantino movies, we kind of already touched on. He's a ensemble cast, guys. Even going back to Reservoir Dogs, look at that cast, you know? And the yeah. first movie he wrote, True, True Romance, Romance, loaded. Didn't, yep. didn't direct, but loaded. Yeah, so all of his movies. But... Uh, yeah, that was our tribute to the recruiting class in a roundabout way. That's how we do things here. Uh, we'd like to hear your opinions on the recruiting class as well as on some of your favorite ensembles. Reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, upvote us on, on uh, Spotify and, and all that stuff. We appreciate the love. And uh, also, we want to reach out to you guys. Uh, the next couple weeks, we're definitely going to be reaching out to some fans, Hopefully, some incoming players. We're trying to get some uh, some outside opinions the next coming week, so we want to hear from you. Uh, Andy, any closing thoughts before we end this thing? We're less than 60 days from football. Strap in. Strap in, my people, and start to get excited. All right, that's going to do it for us. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.